the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program is pre-recorded. This is the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. And now, here's your host, Paul George. Welcome to the Paul George Real Estate Show. I'm your host, Paul George. I'm a 30-year, 30-plus year real estate agent who helps people buy and sell and build homes in central Ohio. Uh, Hopefully someday I can help you guys, so please contact me if you need any advice on buying and selling. Today, we're going to talk about how my industry supports homeowner advocacy, we protect homeowners' rights, and how the real estate community Real estate builds community. Our community builds the community. But before we get down to the weeds on that, I want to talk about, um, you know, people always ask me what's going on in the market. And I've had an interesting observation lately that it's hard to verbalize sometimes, but I think I might be able to do it. Uh, Yesterday I was in an open house again. Um, We do open houses every day, every the week anymore. We just try to uh, get as many people comfortable as coming into a house instead of bothering somebody. So we do a lot of open houses, and I get to meet a lot of people, and we talk about things like what's going on in the market and things like that. One of the things I've noticed in the last uh, few months as compared to the last couple of years is that people are not quick to make decisions like they were during COVID or during other low inventory situations. Um, And that could be due to interest rates. That could be due just to comfort level and things like that. But I've had situations where people say that's the right house. I think I'm going to make an offer and then I don't hear anything on it. And they're just not comfortable enough to do that yet. And whether it's they have a house to sell or they have a 3% interest rate and they don't want to trade it for a 7% interest rate. I don't know what that is, but they're being a lot pickier than they were when we were going through COVID and some of these other things where, you know, it was a, a circus going into a house. You'd see 10 other people at the same time. People would scare, be scared to death that they're going to lose something. So the comfort level of a 3% interest rate made them make a decision quickly. And sometimes they had some buyer's remorse. Um, but right now they're not making those decisions quickly. It also gave them the freedom at that low interest rate to kind of say that, you know what, now I'm going to take a chance. Now's the time to do it. I want to get the house that I want. I deserve it. Um, I can afford this 4,000 square foot house where they couldn't have years ago and they can't now. So it's one of those things where people are kind of slowing down a little bit where the market is right now. And, you know, the inventory is a little bit low because, you know, I keep talking about it and we have a challenge here with that. But, um, you know, we are needs-based right now, and that's kind of what a normal market is. When I say needs-based, I have I also spent the day with clients that it's a neat story because I sold a house to a daughter of one of my clients, and she's, I think, in her mid-20s. Um, she said, okay, I want to be a homeowner. She bought a little condo and, I mean, a first-time homebuyer condo. She moved in last year, and like what happens during with some of these young people is they meet other people. Well, she met a great guy, um, and they are – he lives in the same condominium complex. They met each other when they were working out, and they told me the story and things, but it was kind of neat because of now they want to move in together, and both of their condos are way too small. So we are building a house. So that's kind of a needs-based thing. Um, I have a condo that is in contract right now, but the owner is, uh, she went to a assisted living. So she had to get rid of her condo. It's needs based, whether you're starting a family, whether it's um, somebody going into a nursing home, somebody saying that, Hey, this house is just too much for me. It's time for me to sell that kind of thing. 
that's who's buying and selling houses right now. Um, now we're getting a lot of people from out of town too. They have a need as well. So it's still a good time to buy and it's a good time to sell because there's plenty of those out there. And I hate to say it, there's still not enough homes out there. So with that being said, um, last week, our industry, our Columbus board of realtors comes out with monthly statistics and we got the new ones last week. And, you know, the trends are pretty much what we had talked about before. Um, you know, we still don't have a, we're still pretty much in a seller's market. Um, we just don't have enough. Typically a seller's market is kind of judged by, we have a six month supply of homes. And right now we have about a 1.3 month supply and it's pretty obvious that, okay, we don't have enough homes. We, the interest rates are higher than what they were a couple of years ago. And, um, the funny thing is the prices of houses are still going up, even though sales are down. That's kind of the overall view. Um, we also got some good news last week. And uh, one of the things that we always keep an eye on is that, you know, there's all these trends that are going on here and all these clickbait headlines and things like that. But the one I'm reading now, says Gahanna ranks number one among America's hottest zip codes. And you're saying, what's that mean? You know, I actually contributed to a book that's an Amazon bestseller. And I say, yeah, you can kind of manipulate that, how that works and things like that. But this is from realtor.com and they base it on real things. I mean, they base it on market demand is measured by unique viewers per property on realtor.com. And it's measured by the number of days. That's the number one zip code in the whole country. So that should give you some, you know, peace of mind knowing that, hey, we live in kind of a good place. Um, typically, I don't involve my guest until the next segment or so, but I've got, because of these statistics came out, and he's kind of the head of it, um, and I know, know you just read the numbers and everything, but I want to introduce Brent Swander. He is the Columbus Board of Realtors CEO. Uh, Brent has been doing this for at least 10 years, but he's been the CEO for the last just a year. Two so. years. Two Almost years. two years in November. Two years, and it's been that long. Look at that. Well, I wanted to introduce Brent to kind of give me his overall view on the market as well as these new statistics and things like that. Um, Brent, first of all, introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Paul. So uh, as Paul said, you know, my name is Brent Swander. <laughs> I've been with Columbus Realtors for the last 10, over 10 years. Uh, I started back in, in 2013, really started doing our advocacy work and government affairs at a local level. So what we do on a local level is really advocate for our members, but more importantly, the consumer and how decisions that are made at City Hall and the township trustee meetings really impact uh, not only, Paul, to your point, what what we have going on here in central Ohio in an inventory level. Um, and those decisions really impact prices. They impact availability and accessibility to, to homes and apartment and to rental units. So we work on all issues, not all of which are fun issues. Sometimes we're talking about sewage and water and things that really uh, do matter to the consumer. Uh, so, but, but before that, I spent most of my life, I grew up in a really small farm town in northwest Ohio, Van Wert. Um, I actually graduated with 70 kids, um, but then I, I made my way to Bowling Green with the graduated with a sport management and marketing major that I never really did anything with. I spent uh, yeah. the previous 12 That's most people, yeah, right, uh, 12 years uh, in local, state, federal politics. Um, I served as a media advisor to a vice presidential candidate. Uh, got to travel the world um, when I was actually in, I was employed in the White House for a while as well. So have a unique background, but Ohio is home, and I'm glad to be back. Well, and that's one of the things I wanted to ask you about because of right now going into the CEO role, I know you um, you kind of oversee a bunch of kids. we got 10,000-plus realtors. You said there. it. I didn't. Okay. Right. <laughs> Hopefully I, I didn't, but you've taken that on. But I love your background in that you – because we're always dealing with politics, it seems like, and you kind of – touched on some of the specifics that you have done um, on a national level, let alone on a local level and things like that. What else, how does that national level 
kind of trickle down to the local level where you have that insight as to what we can do here. So it's really important. I, I say this when I talk to even our members or consumers. When I was in D.C., we were really self-absorbed about everything that D.C. does impacts the nation or impacts the world. The reality of the situation is the decisions that are made at a local level, when you think about water, sewer, uh, curbs, uh, street appeal, um, the basic necessity of life, and those issues that impact you on a daily basis are all voted on at your township trustee meetings, at your city hall. And so without those basic services, what quality of life do we have? So it really changed my mind getting involved in the local level, seeing local politics and local government impact um, our cities on a day-to-day, not only our cities, but really not only our members, but the consumer really on a, on a day-to-day level much more than, than D.C. ever does. Last week we had uh, the head of the BIA, John Melkai, here, and he was going through some of the builder challenges that they have and trying to get over the nimbyism and the government red tape and things like that. And I appreciate you understanding kind of the nitty-gritty of what that takes because people on the outside don't know. They just look at, hey, I don't want apartments built, buildings behind my house. Um, How can you get to a point where you tell people that, hey, we're trying to look out for your best interests. And that's what we're going to get into when we get a little deeper into the show. Um, I do want to, when we get to that, before we get to that, though, I'm going to go through some of these numbers that just came out because I think they're really interesting in how um, it affects what's coming and maybe some trends that I might be able to pick your brain with. I'd like to get your ideas because you see it on a national level and i think we're in a little bit of a bubble here when we come to columbus here so we're going to take a quick break and you know we love hearing your questions and feedback on the show if you want to submit a question for myself or somebody like brent who i have on the thing email your questions at paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com you can submit questions on our facebook page you go to facebook at facebook.com or facebook.com the paul george group And don't forget to like the page while you're there. Um, Don't forget to look us up on Google. We we do a podcast uh, as soon as this thing drops. As soon as we're done with this, it goes to a podcast. So get on iTunes and get on Google and give us a review. We'll be right back. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Uh, I'm here with Brent Swander, the CEO of the Columbus Board of Realtors. And again, Brent kind of oversees uh, the realtor group as well as advocate for the public for home ownership and things like that. So, Brent, I wanted to take a step back and go over some of these statistics that just came out. Before we get some nitty-gritty numbers, give me your overall view of the city of Columbus uh, real estate market, especially how it compares to the national market. Yeah, Paul, it's a great question. So when we talk to our economic development folks, John Melkai from the BIA, 
one Columbus and some of our key stakeholders and just talking to our boots on the ground members. Columbus is in a unique position and one to really embrace the opportunity. So it's the old adage, if you're not growing, you're dying. And we are certainly growing. Our one Columbus team and Kenny McDonald and his team have continued to have record-breaking years, which in that means jobs to the area. And I'm going to steal John Melkai's line that homes are where jobs go at night. And we have to remember that. So everybody wants to talk about Intel, and Intel is is a key factor. But there are so many other businesses, not only not only their suppliers, but Amgen, Facebook, and some of the others that continue to expand in Central Ohio. So we are in a unique opportunity. We have a unique opportunity to really continue to grow Central Ohio. It's basic economics, economics 101, supply and demand. So we have more jobs coming to Central Ohio. We need our housing to keep up with it. We need to build about 14,000 units a year for the next year. So as consumers drive around and, you know, the folks who have lived here remember Columbus and Central Ohio is the farmland that it used to be. Those days have changed, and we really need to embrace that. So it's, it's, it's trying to be empathetic with those who remember the Columbus countryside and the flyover country. Growing up in a really small town, you know, I empathize with those folks who say, hey, I moved out to Marysville or I moved out to Reynoldsburg because I wanted the farmland. So we have to be empathetic for them, but also we have to keep in mind that we need to embrace growth because if you're not growing, you're dying. And we we just have a unique challenge. You look at some of the cities around Central Ohio and even in the Midwest that wish they had the problems that we have. And that's going to be the challenge as we move forward. And I've been saying that all along. And I think one of the nice things about it is that people like you, people like Jobs Ohio, people like the Building Industry Association are trying to be good stewards to what's coming and doing it in a smart growth type of way. And again, our biggest challenge is to convincing that township trustee or convincing that the village trustee or somebody like that, it's coming how can we do this in a positive way? What's been your experience with how we can bridge that gap? I know that's easier said than done, but it's it starts with conversation and listening to where the other side's coming from. There are plenty of projects, and I'm not going to single out any one project, where the citizens want a referendum or or keep a development from coming into Central Ohio, which presents a lot of problems. When you talk about accessibility and affordability, those lawsuits, the, that uncertainty from a developer standpoint just raises the cost of those units and raises the cost per square foot. So it makes the accessibility and affordability an even greater challenge when you're dealing with labor, material, land acquisition, land acquisition and those, those costs skyrocket. So we have to be real about the reality. Um, all too often, there are professions or words like density or developer that become a negative. And I think there's a misconception about how much developers are even really making. And that's, you know, John Melkai's world more so than what we in the BIA, more so than what we do here in realtor world. Um, but I think there's a true misconception about how much money there is in development. At the end of the day, I'll go back and say, if you're not growing, you're dying. We have to have the conversation, though. One house, you know, whether you're on Facebook or next door or I, I see citizens advocating for, for one unit per five acres or one unit <laughs> per acre. Talk, talk to me. Talk me through those numbers and, and how that works. And it just doesn't. So how do we bring character to some of these neighborhoods? But but we have to have the conversation. And that's interesting because one of the things, <clears throat> excuse me, that John mentioned was that, okay, if you're going to allow one house per acre or one house per five acres or something like that, that means we're going to need more acreage to do that. So you're kind of defeating the purpose. And that's the conversation I think that we need to have and show them on a common sense level that we have challenges, but here's why this happens. Um, and I, you also hear, well, this isn't an us problem, meaning yeah. a suburban or rural problem. This is a Columbus problem. But at the end of the day, Columbus is the heartbeat of the body, if you will. Yep. And, and the suburbs are 
are the limbs and the brain and everything else that happens. Um, we all have to work together to thrive, and that's what it really comes down to. Columbus can't just build up. We can't just have urban sprawl. We need to talk about housing at every price point, and that goes from government subsidized to apartments to townhomes to luxury and everything in between. Just building one type of housing will not help us get through this problem, but we do have a, have a problem in, in a housing crisis. And, and I think consumers drive around, and even myself, you drive around, you're like, man, another apartment complex. Wow, another housing development. Where are building? Where are all these people coming from? Do they are they even are they even being sold? The answer is yes, and we are way behind. Yeah, we. It, it, one of the statistics was the apartment vacancy rate is five percent. We're ninety five percent filled. Um, and that includes everything, new stuff, old stuff, and everything. So there is a shortage. There definitely is a shortage. Um, that kind of goes into a little bit of the existing homes that we have. We have 3,000, 3,100 homes on the market within our MLS. Uh, our MLS is not just the city of Columbus or the suburbs. It is a little bit out. Break that down for me historically how that compares to some other times, what that means for a consumer. Tell me what that means. So again, it goes back to economics 101 in, in, uh, in supply and demand. So, you know, I remember looking several years ago, maybe two years ago, and we were around 1,500 to 1,100 active listings. <laughs> uh, you know, there, there's been times over the last 10, 15 years, 20 years, um, you know, there's probably been 10, 12,000 listings as, as well, so we are at a we are at a low point in, in inventory, but with that said, we actually have more inventory than we have year over year, which is which is a good thing. Um, arguably, consumers have more choices now than they have, but it's it's still a seller's market. It definitely, the trend is up. We're definitely seeing more on the market, um, and I think people, buyers, consumers are getting a little smarter, meaning that. It makes it easy on me as a real estate agent because of I'm not getting that buyer's remorse. When you had multiple offers on things, you know, somebody would just get the property just so they can get it. And then they do their home inspection and go, oh, my God, what did I just do? Yeah. And they use that as an excuse to get out or whatever. But that's now they're being a little more prudent into, hey, this is the right home for me. Once I find it, I'm going to jump on it. Who this really hurts so, Paul, at the end of the day is a first time home buyer. Oh my when gosh. You're, when even... your average sales price is $360,000 and you're still in a competitive offer situation, coming up with the money down, and this is where realtors really become advisors, um, working hand in hand with their lender partners and, and how, what programs are out there, what percentage needs to be down, put down. But the first time home buyers are the ones who are, are, are really suffering. Um, and, and I, I had a member of Congress call me maybe, six, seven months ago and say, hey, Brent, what are first-time homebuyers doing? <laughs> and I said, that's a great question. Um, and then you walk through, the, walk through the realities of that. So I think many of your viewers can probably talk to um, someone in their family who's trying to purchase a home, and it's, it's very challenging for the first-time homebuyer. Well, and not only that, they're caught in the squeeze of the, inter or the uh, rental rates going up as well, too. If they're stuck in a rental, that's going up. The price of the house is going up. You know, one of the things I was looking at on the statistics, you mentioned the average home price is three hundred and sixty thousand. Last year at this time it was three hundred and forty four. So not only are they getting hit with higher interest rates, they're getting hit with a higher price point. And that's why we always say the right time to buy a house is now. I don't care what the interest rates are or anything like that. I love our industry in that we are so creative on adjusting to the market. One of my challenges is is that lenders, you need to adjust to this, whether it's subsidies, whether it's uh, programs and things like that. And we're going to talk about those in a little bit, what they're starting to do. Probably the most popular one right now is the 2-1 buy-down on the interest rate. I mean, if you get a 7% interest rate, your first year, it can be bought down to 5%. The second year, it can be 6%. And, of course, in the meantime, if interest rates do go down, as I think they will, you can – refinance and fix it at a lower rate. So that's, you know, our show last week, a couple of weeks ago was um, date the rate, marry the house, that type of thing. Again, it's always buy now. And we are in an appreciating market in Columbus, Ohio. Again, we've been known for slow, steady growth. Last few years, we've had goofy high growth. 
or appreciation, I guess is the word I want to use. So it's one of the best investments you can have out there, even if you're thinking that, hey, I'm going to stretch. When I started out in real estate, I was so conservative with my first-time home buyers. Hey, you're only making this much. Don't overdo it. I've gotten more comfortable with the fact of go ahead and push yourself. Because if you call me in five years, you're going to make a lot more money than you would wage increases or anything like that. Even after your stuff, plus you get the enjoyment of living in your house. You know, you know, we're talking to the choir here when we're big advocates of home ownership. When we come back, I want to talk to you a little bit about some specific things, you know, you being a little bit in the government affairs part of it, but not as much now. But I want to talk about some of the things that are going on within the state, within the, you know, the uh, lending industry and things like that. Um, I'm also going to hit you up with a couple of surprises here, Brent. So just be prepared. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. So when we come back, we're going to take a quick break. I'm sorry. I love hearing your questions and your feedback on the show. So again, submit a question to Paul George at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Um, go to our Facebook page. I keep reiterating that. If you want to learn a little bit about the whole process or learn a little bit about me, go to halfthebeatles.com. That is my all-encompassing website that will describe all the things we talk about here as well as give you some things that you can use when buying or selling. We'll be right back. Submit your questions for the show to Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. That's Paul at PaulGeorgeRealEstate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Thanks for being here on the Paul George Real Estate Show. I am here with Brent Swander, the CEO of Columbus Board of Realtors. I did want to remind you again that uh, once this show is over, you can... Go on iTunes. You can go on Spotify. You can go on Google and down download this uh, this program as well as the previous ones. So we talked about builders before. We talked about lenders. We talked about the benefits of home ownership. If you have any questions about those, download those and listen to those and let me know what you think. Of course, give me a review. So Brent. How are you doing over there? I'm great. You're used to this, aren't you? I am. You were, I've seen you were a big TV star sometimes. You've been <laughs> interviewed, all kinds of things. So you're better at this than I am. One of the things I like to do is to get to know my guests on a little different level. I know you as the Columbus Board of Realtors CEO. Um, tell me a little bit about your family, where you live, if you don't mind. Uh, tell me a little bit about yourself. So I, uh, I married a girl from Dublin. Um, and so I live in Dublin, uh, with my wife. Actually, we hit seven years, um, last weekend. You so, don't have that much gray though. So I don't know why well, I, I'm getting more and more of it though. And she doesn't know if it's her, the kids or our realtor members. So well, we know I, what that is. <laughs> um, yeah. So we have two great kids. Um, one will start kindergarten on Wednesday. Little ones. Yeah. And uh I have a three and a half year old boy um as well. So I've I have two uh two we have two little ones and as a Cubs fan, my our dog's name is Wrigley. Oh gosh. Um so I'm a Cubs fan who, you know, we're in the in a pennant race right now. So trying trying to trying pennant to take race. care of the family, watch, you know, watch the Cubs and see how we're gonna do this year. And and, and Buckeye football too. So a little later on uh, today we'll kick off uh, Buckeye football. Listen to you. Um, I'm a big Reds fan, so we're kind of competing yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. If we don't win the thing, we got to get a wild card. So my here. my little man tries to goat me every once in a while and say go go Reds and oh, boo nice. Cubs, and so he might be up for adoption soon. No, I'm kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, a couple of quick questions for you again, just to kind of get you to know you on a different level. Um, I ask this to everybody that comes on. If you could learn any skill instantly or you had one talent you wish you had, what would that be? In my world, um, my, my current position would be mind reading. Ah. I so wish I knew what our leadership was thinking all the time and get ahead <laughs> of them, what our members are thinking. You know, y'all are some tough people to figure out from time to time. So. Mind, mind reading would be key for, for the position I hold. We were yeah. talking about politics. Man, uh, just 
trying to figure out who's coming from what position and, and where it's going to come from. So yeah, there's no thought bubble above their head, unfortunately. <laughs> so, all right. Another quick question. You are taking it easy at home. You're flipping around the channels. There's something that pops up on the guide every time you need to stop and see it. What, movie or what tv show what do you always have to stop and see other than cubs games oh, well as i say probably a cubs game i'm a sports guy so okay. um i'm always going to turn usually turn on something sports movie wise i don't think i've ever seen shawshank on the guide oh and not stopped on oh, it. okay i was gonna say you've never seen Shawshank. no i've i've never not stopped on it that so it's probably my favorite as well yeah so uh, shawshank if the movie's on uh my wife makes fun of me because I don't know. It used to be on all the time was Hitch. I laughed at that show. <laughs> She's like, why are you watching this again? Um, so I, for whatever reason, that just popped up. But uh, the series that we've really gotten into, um, and it's hard now because everybody in L.A. and Hollywood's on strike. Yeah. Uh, so there's not really much on anymore. But uh, we became a big fans of the Chicago Fire and PD series on NBC. So we were big Big fans of the Chicago Med, Fire, and PD. Good. Nice. Again, that's a nice side I wouldn't have seen of you here. <laughs> so, all right, back to the nitty-gritty here. Um, doing what you do, I want the public to understand how we are advocates, and one of the things that is a big thing within our industry is our code of ethics. Mm -hmm. Could you explain what that is and how that benefits the public? Yeah, so the code is really important to our members and our our north star if you will our our guiding document um that our members have to adhere to so out of the code it talks about your fiduciary duty being to your client um it it talks about thankfully and obviously the right and need to tell the truth um as it as it pertains to all things real estate um the the material facts of the house et cetera et cetera so the code is is a document which our realtor members um, have to adhere to, and I want to be very clear what what defines a realtor member as well. Mm. So you can be a licensee and have your license through the Ohio, uh, the state of Ohio Division of Real Estate and Professional Licensing, and not be a realtor member. So you're not a realtor member until you actually join the Realtor Trade Association, and then you are required to adhere to the code of ethics. Um, so a consumer can file. A, uh, a grievance against a member, which hopefully we they don't, but in times of need, they should. Um, that's one way to clean up the industry is consumers can file a grievance based on the code of ethics against a, uh, a realtor, and realtors can also file grievances based on the code um, against another realtor as well. So it's a self-policing industry for, most, for, for the most point, um, but there is a difference between a real estate licensee and a realtor and that difference is the code of ethics. And that's one of those things when you're interviewing somebody or you have conversations with somebody, ask them. I mean, because it's a definitely a different standard. And I'd like to think that most of the industry adheres to it. And we have other things. I mean, my license is due next month. Uh, so I have to take continuing education. We have to take some core classes like yep. most professions do. Um, how do you think that enhances our stay, I guess, or, say, or or status, I guess, to say. I think it's really important. Um, it's it's one thing to just go sit in a classroom and learn, but it's another thing to continue to put that into practice. So ensuring that we are raising the bar of professionalism in the industry is really important to us as an organization. What I will say, and, you know, every, every industry has bad actors. Mm-hmm. Um, but hopefully we as uh, as our realtor members can continue to uh, be the standard, adhere to the code of ethics, and continue to go get that continuing education to make uh, our members better able to serve the consumer and serve the public. And, and I don't want to dwell on this, but I am – I've been involved in all kinds of committees, and some of the committees are arbitrations and things like that. I'm just amazed at out of – 10,000 or so licensees, how few we have, how few complaints we do have, whether it's from the public or whether it's from each other. I can't imagine many other industries are as, I don't want to say good, mm -hmm. but I think it's all because of education. We tell them, here's what's wrong. Here's what you need to do. Do it right. We have a good communi 
communication system with our MLS, meaning that if there's situations where, you know, we're all about safety for our agents as well as the public, um, you're very good about announcing those safety things that might come up in a situation like that. Yeah, the MLS, Paul, to your point, you know, the MLS is currently under attack um, (laughs) around the country. And what's really important is for consumers to know the importance of the MLS. The MLS is the most accurate, most uh, available, and most accessible. Uh, It's not a database. It's more than just a database. But for the consumer's basic terms, um, it provides the most accurate uh, information for all homes that are available to all consumers. And that's what's really important. So you can look at different models across the country, or not across the country, but across the world, um, but the way that the United States system is set up with the MLS is is really unique, but it provides the most available number of homes and the most accurate information. And that's really important for a consumer to understand. So to get that information, they do need to, to use a realtor. Well, and that's one of the things I want to ask you about is that there's been writing on the wall. There's been people saying AI, there's people saying Zillow, there's people saying some of these other entities are going to get rid of the need for realtors. In a brief, I know you're all about this. Tell me why we need realtors, I guess to say. So it's a, it's a great question and, and one that's quite frankly pretty easy to understand is just like you, your doctor, your CPA, your lawyer, whomever, they are the trusted professional that you go to. Realtors are they're, um, they're professionals in every aspect. And more importantly, they are the trusted advisor. They are your negotiator. Sometimes they're your therapist. They're your counselor. They're That'd your, be me. Yep. <laughs> they're your firefighter. Um, you know, your realtor is incredibly important. And that goes on our realtor members as well to tell, this, tell their story that they go well beyond um, – just opening a door or listing a, a home for you. Um, they, they do all of the work in the background. You know, ask a consumer um, how many could tell me what a net sheet is and, and really negotiate multiple offers um, and, and really understand the home inspection and, and the entire process. So the realtor member really brings so much more value that we have to tell our story, our realtors have to tell their story, but it's really important for the consumer to understand all the many different layers uh, and aspects that, that realtors provide to their clients. I don't want to be a big commercial for realtors, but uh, again, I'm in the industry. I think we're a little bit like congressmen sometimes. When you ask the public about realtors as a whole, it's different than when you ask them about yours. Uh, I love mine. I don't know about the rest of them, though. And I think we're good within our industry. You know, I go to realtor meetings where we get 50 people that sit around and we talk together. We're not adversarial. We're advocates for each other, whether it's realtors to realtors or realtors to other vendors like lenders and home inspectors and things like that. And I don't think people understand that. The consumer understands it because we are involved with them for such a short period of time. They don't understand that. But we do this for a living. And we have the experiences of doing these things um, for their benefit. So I want people to understand that, hey, we're just more than people that open doors. When we come back, I'm going to ask you a little bit of specific questions about what we do to promote home advocacy, home ownership and how we're advocates for the consumer. So when we're back, uh, we'll talk with Brent one more time and go from there. Navigating the complexities of the current real estate market can be a daunting task. Fortunately, you have a trusted ally, the Paul George Group of Keller Williams Greater Columbus Realty. From the moment you start your journey, the Paul George Group with over 30 years of experience will be right beside you, guiding you through every step of the process, whether it's finding the perfect home or building, skillfully negotiating on your behalf, working with lenders, managing inspections, or handling title matters, their expertise in 
ensures your best interests are always at heart. Don't hesitate to take the first step towards your real estate goals. Reach out to the Paul George Group for a no-obligation consultation. Call 614-570-2853. That's 614-570-2853. Or email paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. When it comes to making informed decisions in the real estate world, trust the Paul George Group to lead the way. Visit the Paul George Real Estate Group at paulgeorgerealestate.com. That's paulgeorgerealestate.com. Now back to your host, Paul George. Welcome back to the Paul George Real Estate Show. Again, I'm Paul George. I'm here with Brent Swander. Um, every week I try to give you a little bit of a tip of a week, and I've touched on this last week, but something came up this past weekend, and I want to reiterate it for you. I had a neighbor, a friend of mine, who is lives in the same subdivision I do. They have a um, a uh, asphalt driveway. They said it's crumbling, it's falling apart. I need to get a new driveway, and I'd like to do concrete this time. And they have been calling around. They cannot get anybody out there till next year. And I'm calling that the intel factor. Um, again, I keep pounding on this because of where I live. I've got a 30-year-old house, and everybody else has things that need to be done to the house. And we are going to be competing with these uh, big places that are hiring these tradespeople. You know, the homeowners might be the last one on the totem pole when these guys have jobs set up for the next, you know, three years. So if I have one piece of advice for you, if you're thinking about a kitchen remodel, if you need a concrete driveway, if you need anything done by a tradesperson, get started on it now. Um, again, if you want to do a remodel of a kitchen, a bathroom and things, there's people out there. You can do them, but you may have to wait. Um, but get in, get in the queue right now. So that's my tip of the week. And, again, if you have questions, again, call me at 614-570-2853 or email me at paul at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Um, and, you know, from that, just keep that in mind when you're doing these things. Okay, Brent, I'm going to ask you a couple of specific questions, and hopefully you know some of the answers. And I know since you've kind of changed hats, it may not be as familiar with you, but there's always legislation. There's things like that that seem to promote home ownership. We go to different lenders and they have grant programs and things like that as an industry how do we advocate how do we try to do things that will help people understand home ownership and promote it so i think it's a really good point george or george, yeah, it, george paul it's always had two first I know. names again. see i always do it all the time I, that's the first time i've ever done it. it's a really good point there you have paul is is some will look at the realtor association as self-serving and you know we just advocate for our members, but at the end of the day, and the truth is, we are here to advocate for the consumer. And that's easier said um, than done, All the, not all the time, but it, it is easier said than done, but we always try to keep the consumer at the forefront. The old adage is, if, if, you're, not at the, if you're not at the table, you're on the menu. And, and what we really try to do from an association advocacy side is to really advocate and make sure that we have a seat at the table. First and foremost, from a from a local level, our issue really goes back to inventory for the most part. You have uh, several municipalities, one of them being Columbus and several suburbs, that have not updated their zoning codes in over 50 years. And so our government affairs director, Vincent Coleman, at the local level here is spending time with local public and elected officials talking about their zoning codes what are accessory dwelling units, ADUs, that can add inventory to Central Ohio, and making sure that the land use policies, as we affectionately refer to them, are really up to speed. Um, regulatory burden um, really adds somewhere between 30 and 40% for the cost of a new home. So just to give you, John says it's up to about 50 now. Yeah. I, I believe them. Yeah. Um, and it's inc it's incredible the cost of the regulatory burden. So so making sure that land use policies and zoning codes are up to date. 
That's first and foremost. City of Columbus is pushing through several housing initiatives as well. They have a 12-point plan, some of which we agree with, some of which we have concerns with. I don't know that we outright oppose anything. I think there's area of opportunity for some of those. Six of those points have already passed. And on the state level, we just advocated for and were successful. It took years to get across the finish line in the budget. Uh, and I do not speak for Ohio Realtors. Um, I can only speak for, for Columbus. I don't speak for um, Ohio Realtors at all. But I know our incredible advocacy team there advocated for a, a long time for tax savings accounts uh, for consumers to be able. And one of the issues there was it was only for first-time home buyers, And that was struck out for the first-time home buyers, and, and really goes into the purchase of any primary home. A couple of the issues. Ex- explain that real quick because I think that's. I think that's such an untapped new subject that comes on. Yep. I was explaining it to lenders because they're saying, hey, this is a great idea for us to promote to people. Explain yeah, that a so, little bit. So essentially individuals, family members, and now I believe even employers can uh, can help an individual uh, create a, a tax savings, a, a homeowner savings account. Um, there are some tax, there are obviously going to be tax benefits there. And those are capped at a certain dollar amount, and I don't want to mislead uh, mislead the listener by giving false information. But there, I think it's five, five and ten for those filing individually and jointly, um, and, and an employer can also give to that. So, really understanding that program moving forward is is going to be critical. That there are programs out there for home buyers and the tax benefits and ability to save for those. One of the other things, you know, we talk about as much as we're involved in politics, one of the things that surprised the heck out of me is we always help promote um, candidates who promote home ownership. And we're not pro-Republican. We're not pro-Democrat. I think I saw the statistic. We were almost straight down the middle, 50-50, who, who we supported. And I think that goes to the essence of, hey, we're not in this for anything other than Home, home, home ownership. Um, one of the things I, I know that I think you had a little part in, but at least you gave some testimony to it as to um, tell me what is so bad about um, controlling rent prices. What Tell me what the negative of, you know, somebody who can't afford a house, they can't afford rent and say, if we cap it, tell me what the negatives are of that. So it's a it's a great question. Um you see some policies around the country where they want to institute rent control, which would essentially limit the increase that a property owner could increase their rent. So rents are obviously continuing to rise here in central Ohio. The unintended consequences of rent control are, are really bad. And one, first and foremost, you're going to see a lot less investment from the landlord, the housing provider, um, in those units if their rent is capped of what they can make. Again, I think there's a misconception that these housing providers are bringing in sky-high profits, and that's just not the case. They have no incentive. They have no incentive, right? Um, even Even in today's world without without rent control home housing providers are taking a risk by buying the building investing in the property and everything that goes with it so they have a mortgage to make they have insurance to make they have upkeep to do they might have a property manager the the vast majority of especially our members who are housing providers have fewer than 4 units now yes there are big conglomerate corporations out there who own hundreds, if not thousands, tens of thousands of units. But these policies really impact the mom and pop shop. Um, And to your point earlier in the show, they're appreciating properties. You're taking a risk. You're making an investment and you're, you're going to try and, and make money at the end. You're not making money month to month. And I think there's a really, yeah, you might be making a little bit, um, but not much. And I think, that's a light bulb for some public and elected officials and even some consumers. So again, if I'm making very little money month to month, I'm not going to take that money and reinvest it if 
the number that I can uh, charge per rent is capped. Yeah, and I, I think it's common sense to all of us, but it seems like the bigger some of these cities get, the more they think that they're doing a service to um, people who can't afford some of the housing and things, but it really has the opposite effect. We just have a very short time here, and I wanted to ask you one question if um, you can answer it briefly, and it is, are we doing anything as realtors to help the affordability of housing? Are we advocating for grants? Or are we going to the state and saying, you need to do something? What are we doing, if anything? So that's a, a another topic that came out of the state budget, actually. And what you saw from this, this latest budget that was passed uh, at the middle of this year was historic investment in inventory, historic investment in accessibility, and for um, affordable housing. So actually one of the one of the pieces of the original budget was to eliminate the Ohio Housing Finance uh, Agency, OFA, and Ohio Realtors fought to keep OFA, um, and that OFA remained uh, as, as an agency. So we continue to fight at the local, state, and, and federal level even for affordability and accessibility, and I think that's a misconception as well that – it could be rent. It could it could be rental units. It could be apartments. We believe in safe, accessible, affordable housing for all, not just even home ownership. Well, we just opened up a whole can of worms. And with that, I would hope that you guys might email me or call me and ask me what questions you have as to how we are helping make housing more affordable. Um, Brent is the top dog. He is our mouthpiece of trying to advocate for home home buyers. Please give me a call at 614-570-2853 or 614-570-BTLE. Next week, we are going to have a home inspector on. I'm sure you have a ton of questions for them, so let me know. We'll see you next week. This has been the Paul George Real Estate Show with your host, Paul George. Sponsored by the Paul George Real Estate Group. The opinions expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and not necessarily those of Salem Media Group, staff, management, or advertisers. Tune in next week for an all-new episode of the Paul George Real Estate Show. And follow Paul online at paulgeorgerealestate.com. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.